G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Every year, $5.8 billion in gift cards go unclaimed. And the promises of God can be that way. They're just sitting there, sitting there in the pages of the Bible, and all you have to do is claim those promises. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie urges you to discover those promises and redeem them. God's promises are reliable and life-changing. We've all had promises made to us that were broken, but when God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. This is the day when the lost are found. is filled with examples of people who lived meagre lives, not allowing themselves the simplest of luxuries. And then it's discovered after they die that they had millions. They lived as paupers when they could have lived as princes. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out the blessings God has reserved for us, but how so few of us have claimed them. They're stored up like dollar bills in an old mattress. Let's learn how to use them as God intended. Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 11. The title of my message is God Keeps His Promises. How many of you believe God keeps His promises? Yeah, I I believe that too. I heard a story about a guy who was getting married and he made an unusual offer to the pastor who would be officiating. He said, Pastor, look, I'll give you $100 if you will change the wedding vows. When you get to the part where I'm supposed to say that I'll forsake all others only unto myself and be faithful to her forever, let's leave that part out. And he took the $100 and he put it in the pastor's pocket, walked away satisfied, everything was gonna go his way. So the wedding day finally came. The pastor's leading the bride and groom through the vows and he turns to the groom and he says to him, do you promise to obey her every wish and command Do you promise to bring her breakfast in bed every morning? Do you promise to your lovely wife that you'll not even look at another woman for as long as you both shall live? The groom kind of gulped and said, "Uh, I do. So after the ceremony, the groom went up to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I thought we had a deal. The pastor said, well, son, she made me a much better offer. Promises. Easily made, not as easily kept. We've all had promises made to us that were broken. But when God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank, right? Take it to the bank. It's good to go. And God has made a lot of promises to us in the Bible. Someone said that there are 3,000 promises given to believers on the pages of Scripture. I've never counted them all, so I don't know if that's true or not, but I know there's a lot. The Bible says they're exceedingly great and precious 
promises. It reminds me a little bit of gift cards that have not been used. Did you know that every year $5.8 billion in gift cards, $5.8 billion in gift cards go unclaimed, right? There's a whole industry around this where they sell the card to the person who gives it to someone else. The card will never be claimed. Pretty good deal for them. How many of you have unused gift cards? Raise your hand. That, that's it. That's how it works. And the promises of God can be that way. They're just sitting there, sitting there in the pages of the Bible, and all you have to do is claim those promises or believe them for yourself. Let me just share a few very briefly. Number one, God has promised you that you will never be alone in life. Sometimes you feel as though you're all alone. This is good news especially for Generation Z. That's a generation following the millennials. I just read that they are now being described as the loneliest generation. There's never been a generation more connected through technology, but yet they're the loneliest. And the reason for that is they pulled the boomers and they pulled Generation X and millennials and Generation Z, and there were more lonely people in this generation. So I've got good news for Generation Z and any other generation to follow and any generation that preceded it. You're not alone in life if Jesus Christ is in your heart. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you in Hebrews 13.5. And in the original language, he was emphatic about it. It could better be translated, I will never, no, never, no, never leave you or forsake you. In Isaiah 41, the Lord says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Number two, God promises to get us through whatever we're facing. I don't know what you're going through right now, but it might be a hard time. And you're wondering, will I ever get through this? God's gonna get you through it. He'll be with you every step of the way. Isaiah 43, two, the Lord says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. David in Psalm 23, a beautiful Psalm that most of us know by heart, said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you know the rest? For thou art with me. And that verse has brought comfort to a lot of people in life and on their deathbeds as well. Here's another one. Jesus promised he would come again. Jesus said in John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions that were not so I would have told you. If I go, I will come again. I go to prepare a place for you and I will come and receive you unto myself. He's coming again. Did you know that of the 333 prophecies concerning Christ in the Old Testament, only 109 of them were fulfilled in his first coming that leaves 224 that are yet to be fulfilled in his second coming. 23 of the 27 New Testament books mention the Lord's coming and Jesus referred to his second coming at least 21 times. The point is, he's trying to remind us again and again, I am coming back again. This is a very important thing for us to know as a Christian because God keeps his promises. Thanks for joining us today for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. 
We're studying in the book of Romans today in Pastor Greg's message titled, God Keeps His Promises. Let's continue. Now let's look at a few points from Romans 11. Because some would say, God is done with the Jews. There's a certain theological uh, teaching that you'll hear in some churches today called covenant theology. Sometimes it's called replacement theology. And this theology would suggest that the church, that would be us, have taken the place of Israel and all the promises that apply to them now apply to us. Well, God made a covenant with the Jews that he's never gonna break and God has made a covenant with the church that he will not break either but I don't believe that we've taken their place. He still has a special plan for them as we'll discover in this message. So that brings me to point number one. If God could reach a Jewish man like Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, then there is hope for everyone. Look at Romans 11 verse one. Paul's making this argument. I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the very beginning. So Paul's arguing against the idea that the Jews are no longer the chosen people of God and that he uh, has broken his covenant with them. He's saying, hey, if God can get hold of a guy like me, God can get hold of anyone and certainly any Jewish person. And by the way, Paul was what we might call a Jew's Jew. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, a highly uh, regarded tribe. He was named after the first king of Israel, Saul. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was sort of like the supreme court of the day and he probably was the leader of the Sanhedrin and he was a young man at this time. So this is a man that rose to the ranks quickly. He was known for his dedication. He was schooled by the great Rabbi Gamaliel on the southern steps there as you go into the city of Jerusalem today. So this guy had a real resume that was super impressive and in fact he thought he was doing the work of God by hunting down members of this weird new sect that identified themselves as followers of Jesus as Messiah. He hunted him down, he arrested him, he threw him into prison, and he even presided over the death of the first martyr of this group, Stephen. But one day on the Damascus Road, a funny thing happened to Saul of Tarsus. He met Jesus. And Jesus stopped him and said, why are you kicking against the goads? And we don't even know what that means, but in those days a goad was a sharpened stick. So it's sort of like in a car, if you want to go faster, you press down on the accelerator. In those days when you want to go faster, you poke your beast with a sharp stick and it goes faster. God says, why are you kicking against the goads? Which means you're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you're fighting against it. Why are you doing that? The reality is Saul of Tarsus was actually closer than he realized to believing in Jesus and that's why he was so opposed to it. And then Saul says, who are you, Lord? Because Jesus said to him, uh, why do you persecute me and why do you persecute my people? Saul said, who are you, Lord? And then Saul's thinking probably, don't say Jesus, don't say Jesus. <laughs> Just don't say Jesus, please. And then Jesus says, I am Jesus, echo, 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 whom you are persecuting. So Paul committed his life to Jesus. So he went from being Saul 
to Paul. So his point is, if God can reach a person like me, he can reach everyone. That's exhibit A. Exhibit B, Elijah the prophet. Remember him? Great wonder-working prophet. Stopped it from raining. Fire came down from heaven. All kinds of amazing things. But Elijah kind of felt like he was the only guy representing the Lord because Israel was being ruled by a very wicked man named Ahab and his even more wicked wife, Jezebel. By the way, if you're looking for names to your kids, <laughs> don't choose those names. But they're Bible names, yeah, but they're bad people. Judas, don't use that either. Lucifer, out of the question, all right? <laughs> so King Ahab and Queen Jezebel we're encouraging the Israelites to worship the false god of Baal. So Elijah called him out. He stood up for truth and so forth. But then one day he just got discouraged. Look at verse two, Romans 11. Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they've killed your prophets and turned down your altars and I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have seven others who have never bowed down to Baal. Sometimes you might feel like you're the only Christian in your family, right? You're the only Christian in your neighborhood. You're the only Christian on your campus. You're the only Christian at your work site or wherever it is you are. But the Lord always has his people in very unexpected places. So God was saying to Elijah, buddy, you're not the only one. Point number three, as Gentiles, that would be non-Jews, we've been brought into the promises of God. Now let me take a quick poll. How many of you by birth are Jewish? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Shalom. Okay. Not many. Not many. But a lot of Gentiles. A lot of non How many of you are not Jewish? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's most of us. So we're Gentiles. We're not Jews. We're not the chosen people in that regard. But the cool thing is, the great thing is, is God has grafted us into their promises. I actually did that thing, that 23 and Me thing, you know that? And I was honestly hoping they would say, you're Jewish, no I'm not. <laughs> but I've been grafted into the promises of God. Look at verse 17. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in, among the others you now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. I was in New York City a while ago and um, a, a gentleman that I'd met uh, who was a member of the Israeli government asked me to come to a private meeting in a very exclusive place with a lot of very well-known New York people who were either Jewish or were great supporters of Israel. And as it turns out, a very high-ranking member of the uh, Israeli government was going to be there. And so I, I went in. I didn't know anyone in the room. I was just, you know, sort of saying hello to folks and there to observe. And, and then my friend who invited me said, uh, Greg here is an evangelical pastor. Now you have to understand how that might come off to some people. Because uh, traditionally and historically, sometimes Jewish people have felt that Christians are against them. And sometimes that's been true. Because there have been things done against the Jewish people in the name of Christ that were not Christian at all. But uh, anyway, he brings up the fact I'm a pastor. They all look at me like, who let him in? And then he says, and he's from California, which is even worse. <laughs> you have to know Californians are not all that popular in the rest of the country. So I looked at all these folks and I said, first of all, I want to say thank you. 
because my Bible came through the Jewish people. And my Messiah, Jesus, who changed my life, was a Jewish man. And he, I'm thankful for that, that he came. And then the guy who invited me said, oh, Greg, I know you believe that Israel plays a role in end times events. Why don't you talk about that now? I'm thinking, I would not have chosen that topic necessarily. <laughs> but I rolled with it. And it was actually a really great thing to be able to have that opportunity. But here's the thing. I think when we walk with Jesus Christ, we can reach out to Jewish friends, people we meet, and help them to come to know how wonderful their Messiah is. Important insight today from Pastor Greg Laurie from our study in the book of Romans titled God Keeps His Promises. And there's more to come from this presentation as it continues next time on A New Beginning. Do you help attract people to the faith? Or do you wonder if people ever say to themselves, if that's how a Christian handles that problem, I'm not interested. Next time, Pastor Greg helps us see how we can draw people to the Saviour. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called God Keeps His Promises. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 